man, I am so excited for this episode. There's just, there are so many things that I want to talk about. And although I didn't play a lot of disc golf this past week, I had some family come into town. They'd never been in Nashville before. I am really just excited to have this opportunity to hang out with them, spend time with them, just, uh, you know, talk and be tourists for a weekend. And so that was really nice. And even though I didn't get to play a lot, I still, um, Got to play some, and that was a lot of fun. So I'll share some of that. We'll go over our disc golf tips today, and I am just—I uh, am so excited for this episode. Hey everybody, what is up? It's Antonio. Welcome to episode 7 of Teach Play Disc Golf, a Gladiator Disc Golf podcast. I am so excited for this episode, like I've already said, and even though I anticipate this being a little bit of a shorter episode, I think it's still going to be so good, so full of good information, some uh, tips to help you guys, Uh, a disc review, we're going to talk a little bit about the Music City Open, I have some more on that later and kind of what was going on with all that in regard to me being able to watch it, but I am just really excited, but first and foremost... I need to talk about Ricky Waisaki. I know last episode, I I didn't make it sound like I basically said that Ricky is out. And by all accounts, literally his Instagram account, it sounded like that was the case. But as you all know, Ricky Waisaki did play and finish pretty good, <laughs> finished pretty well in the MCO. We'll get to all of those details a little bit later. But I just want to say that I was impressed by him. Um, it was awesome seeing him back, even though he wasn't really in contention to win at the end of it. It was really cool just seeing him there, uh, competing again and honestly playing fairly well. Um, I mean, the dude is just so talented. Before we get into recapping MCO and talking about a few other things, I just wanted to talk about the last week of disc golf for me. So I had some family come into town, never been in Nashville before. It was a lot of fun. It was so good to have them visit with them and just hang out with them. You know, uh, my wife and I moved here six months ago and we have no family in this area. We moved here because I got a job in the area and that's been going great. That's been uh, a lot of fun, some unique challenges that have really helped me uh, as a writer improve. But, uh, you know, we didn't move here and know a ton of people. We had some friends in the area, which seems to be the kind of a Nashville thing where basically everybody knows somebody because Nashville is full of transplants at this point. So that it's been a lot of fun. It's taken some adjustment. But with family coming into town, it has there, there wasn't a lot of time for disc golf. Really, no one in my family Uh, plays disc golf especially regularly and so it was just one of those things where it's not like I could say hey guys let's all get up and go play in the morning it was gonna receive a lot of like uh no I don't want to do that (laughs) so I didn't get to play a whole lot of disc golf I did get to play on Sunday so basically got to play once I basically got to play like once over the course of five or six days which I'm still grateful for uh I enjoy playing whenever I can and it was really fun playing this course because my wife came with me and it was just the two of us and we got to go out on Sunday afternoon, just play some disc golf. And we went to a new park 
for her. I've been to this park a lot. I've posed, I've shared some videos from there. I, I always want to say McCord Park because it reminds me of this course in Texas, but it is not McCord Park. It is Crockett Park. Um, so Crockett Park, pretty fun course. It's a, I, I like to go to Crockett occasionally. Um, this is a course that doesn't have a lot of unique shots. Yeah, there, there's some elevation, there are some trees in the way, and there are some more wooded holes. But overall, Crockett is not the most fun course, in my opinion. Uh, you may have a course like this near you. The shots are a little bit repetitive, or they don't require um, a lot of challenge. It's more just about giving you an opportunity to dial your throw, dial your form. And that's what I really like it for. I like going to Crockett where I feel like, okay, things have felt a little off lately. Let me go ahead. Let me work on some of this stuff. And that just makes it so much better and so much easier to go there periodically, maybe uh, every month or two, every month, month and a half, I'll go there and play around or two just to kind of help get that dialed. And because there's so few obstacles, it's, it's, it's almost, I find it harder to get a bogey than a birdie on most of the holes. And so it's one of those things where it's like, even if you have a bad drive, you can still scramble and save par. And that's really nice when you're working on your form because you can focus on form and not so much the consequences where are like the results of the throw. Whereas at Liberty, and you guys have seen me play there before, and I've talked about it a lot, all wooded course. And that is a course where it's great for really pinpointing your throws and working on your accuracy. But if things are feeling a little off, if you don't quite feel like you're uh, consistently hitting your line, it's pretty hard to go there and uh, work on those kinds of things just because you don't have a lot of wiggle room. It can lead to more frustration rather than creating an environment where you can focus on your form and improve in those ways. Let's go ahead and let's talk about some of the players that that stood out to me this past weekend. So a couple things. I already mentioned Ricky came back. I was wrong. I was I'm so happy that he played. I think it's great that he worked through it. And you know, some of the throws I was even listening to Brian Earhart on the live coverage. He was basically saying, you know, it doesn't look like his wrist is really bothering him on some of these throws because he's still ripping the disc. But there were a couple instances where I was one in particular that I can think of. Ricky uh, switched to a spin putt and he three putted that hole. He went from like a birdie opportunity to a bogey. So we call that a birdogie, um, which wasn't ideal. And I'm wondering if the wrist has a lot to do with uh, the affecting his putt more than anything else. And if that's why he's been very cautious about taking time off and not playing in any tournaments, that makes a lot of sense because the last thing you want is to be playing really well, but you can't finish the hole. You can't putt out um, because that's really frustrating. I almost find that to be more frustrating than when you're uh, not able to get in the fairway or something because you know there's just something really wrong um, majorly when you can't hit the fairway. Whereas with putting, it could be such a, uh, it can almost just be like a small discomfort that could be throwing you off. And so in this case, that could be his wrist. So I'm hoping that he shares a little bit because that'd be really interesting to talk about uh, kind of in preparation over the next couple of weeks. You know, I'll be checking his Instagram pretty regularly to see what he shares about that. Uh, some other players that stood out to me, 
Anthony Barella and Gannon Burr fall into the group of players I talked about in episode one that I'm most excited for this season, just seeing what the young golfers can do anywhere from basically late teenagers to early 20s. Uh, you know, guys who are fully on tour, possibly for the first time, and just seeing what their skill, uh, how it competes with the rest of the field. So that's just, I'm really excited about that. I am so ready for Anthony Barella to win a Disc Golf Pro Tour event. I think he he deserves it. He works hard for it. He has the skill for it. He just needs to put it together. It's kind of ironic Um you know, we we talked about this a lot as a disc golf community. We said these same things about Eagle and Kevin Jones for years. And it's almost like we're not really talking about those players anymore. And even further behind that, we talked about Simon a lot that way. Like, oh, this is going to be Simon's year. And it never really came into anything. And then last year, it's almost like Simon was able to take this sort of... Uh, I don't know if this is going to make sense, but it's just kind of the way I'm thinking about it. But like Simon is taking this sort of mental break where, yes, he's still competing, but he's he's had so much else going on in his life, getting married, having a son, that his mind's been elsewhere, which almost gave the disc golf brain of his a break in a sense. Like he wasn't constantly focused on disc golf 24-7, improving, making vlogs, YouTube videos, um, doing trick shot videos with people, he was almost able to like disassociate from that for a couple months and still like made content and competed within them, but it gave him that escape from disc golf. Whereas for a lot of us, you know, disc golf is the escape from a lot of other things. But for someone like Simon, who's been playing since two years old, you know, you almost need something to separate from disc golf and basically just going through major life events seemed to do that for him because we saw him win four disc golf pro tour events last year and uh, he's off to a very good start this year. He's been playing really well, even while switching manufacturers. So that's been really exciting. Um, some interesting news, some interesting news that happened. I've seen mixed result or not mixed results, mixed reviews and kind of thoughts about this. But I've mentioned her before on this channel, Caroline Henderson. It's her first year on tour. She's from North Dallas, Texas, uh, plays a lot of the same courses that if you guys have been following my channel for a while, you would have seen me play and record videos on when I lived in Texas. She just recently signed with Prodigy. I saw on her Instagram, she's on the core team. And so that's really cool for her. I think it's great for Prodigy because it gives them a major talent, up and coming talent, especially in the FPO division. Uh, they had, um, oh man, I just went blank of her name. I want to say Hannah, but I feel like that might be wrong. But they had a player last year. Right? She was a lefty. I, I'm just drawing a blank right now with her name. But she basically, she didn't like retire, but she's taking a break like significant break to where it was just she's trying to focus on other things and the FPO field for Prodigy was basically empty. So the fact that they are able to get Caroline Henderson, add a good player to their FPO division and really start to um, bring positive attention to their brand uh, is really good for Prodigy. I hope it works out for Caroline. Uh, I know I, you know, I didn't get to watch her in the bag video that she did a couple weeks ago. But I know she did have quite a few Discraft discs based on her Instagram videos. And I think she threw some Prodigy, but I'm not entirely certain. 
Uh, I'll need to go back and look at that. Um, but I know she didn't bag a full Prodigy bag. And I know she was pretty much open bag doing whatever she wanted. So it's really interesting going to Prodigy, especially in the be in the middle of a season, so to speak. Like we are a month, month and a half into the season, maybe even two months, depending on when she started playing. And she's now been picked up by a sponsor and now having to learn all new discs. So uh, that's pretty interesting. I'm happy for her. I'm happy for Prodigy. I hope it works out for them. I know they just released a bunch of signature discs, um, kind of, you know, uh, parodies on playing cards, Ace, King, Joker, Queens, that kind of thing. So we'll see how all that goes. I don't know if she's going to get one of those signature series since those already basically came out and were announced. But I really hope the best for her. I hope that Prodigy will figure out everything about its discs make things fly a little bit more consistently and that hopefully this maybe uh, calms the water surrounding them, especially with everything that happened with Ganon Burr, which by the way, I haven't heard anything recently in regard to that. So uh, I don't have any news to share with you regarding Ganon Burr. But that is basically some of the current events that I wanted to share with you. So now I want to talk about this really important disc golf skill. By far, in my opinion, by far one of the most important things a disc golfer can do is rest. It is a lot of fun to go play disc golf. It is a lot of fun to do field work and practice playing. Honestly, but like the, my opinion, it's fun to do those things. But it's really easy for disc golfers to almost in a sense like lose track of time and um, lose focus and not rest. Yes, disc golf is exercise for pretty much everyone who plays it. Yes, a lot of disc golfers use disc golf as their form of exercise versus going to the gym or going on a run, that kind of thing. And and I love that. I mean, that's kind of what I do. Uh, I used to work out a whole lot. I don't really anymore. And I, around the time that I stopped working out regularly, I started playing disc golf regularly. And so it's kind of been my exercise, my weight room, so to speak. Um but if whether or not you're you have an athletic background, uh, something that's important is to consider rest. Rest is actually the best way for your body to heal itself and the best way to improve your form. I know it may sound counterintuitive that not playing disc golf actually helps you play disc golf, but think about it. Some of the most common injuries that we see in disc golf are from overuse. Shoulder pain, elbow pain, could be even lower body pain in your knee and in your hips. And obviously a lot of that has to do with proper warmups, cooling down, stretching, keeping your body limber, icing, heating, massaging, all of those things, stretching. Um, but rest above all of those things will be the best medicine for our bodies. And if we don't rest regularly, we're doing harm. And while it may be months and even years before you experience the side effects of a lack of rest, it will eventually happen. Now, that's just physically kind of what happens with your body with injury and that kind of thing. But rest also helps you with your form and with your game and can actually help you improve more than playing. And here's kind of my thinking, my experience with this and what I've seen with other players. And in particular, I reached out to Silas Schultz uh, several months ago at this point, and he shared this tip with me. He basically said that... Uh, Things started clicking for him as a disc golfer 
when he took a couple months off and then came back and only threw mids and putters for a month or two. So we'll get to the mids and putters section here in a minute. But this idea of rest, basically turning off disc golf and just not playing gives your body a chance not only to heal physically, but think about all the bad habits you've made in disc golf because of muscle memory. If you don't play for a while or even just a few days, you can uh, and almost like psychologically reverse some of that muscle memory because you forget that you were doing it. And so it's almost starts to feel a little, a little bit like a brand new motion again, and you can refine it with focus by knowing, okay, this is what I need to do instead. And instead of your body adjusting to use muscle memory, it's like, okay, we've never done this before, so to speak, quote unquote. So rest is a really powerful thing, obviously to uh, prevent injury, but also to help with form. Now, rest is a very broad term in the sense of how much rest. I would recommend if you're playing regularly, you know, a couple times a week, you need to have at least one or two rest days. Um, I'm you know, there might be some elite weightlifters, powerlifters, bodybuilders that work out every day. But my understanding of exercise as an as, as someone who played sports all growing up and into adulthood, uh, someone who has followed athletes for a long, long time, everybody rests. Everybody takes a break at some point. And it's better to take a break under your control, under your circumstances, than to wait for your body to say, we're tapping out, we're done, we can't do this anymore. Because the amount of rest you need during that, when your body taps out, is a lot longer than when you give your body uh, the rest that it needs. So if you play a couple times a week, I would say one to two days a week. If you're only playing once a week, you're already taking your days of rest in. But if you're playing three, four, five days a week, and that's including rounds, but also field work, putting practice, you need to have one or two days where you just don't even touch a disc. And I don't mean rest as in necessarily like, oh, I did field work two days in a row and I played around yesterday, so I'm just going to do putting. That'll be my rest day. No, like not touching a disc, just chilling out for a day, um, you know, one to two days a week. If you play less than that, if you only play maybe two or three days a week and that's all the disc golf you do, and that includes field work and putting, um, your rest is built in. So this is really for the, the people out there who play a lot. It's their daily exercise. You need to build in that rest. Um, if you obviously don't play very often, you've already built in that rest naturally, so it's okay. Um, but that's the short term when it comes to rest. The long term when it comes to rest is a little bit different. I like to take a break. When I was in high school, uh, I did cross country, track and field. I even played some basketball. And it was always cool having a couple weeks in between seasons to just take a break. Um, the seasons hadn't started up yet or tryouts hadn't happened for basketball. And so when cross country ended, I had a window. Whether it was a, two weeks or three weeks, I had a window to do nothing. And that's what I did. I did nothing. Um, and I found that that was always great physically, but also psychologically. I wasn't burned out. I wasn't worn out. And so if you've been playing disc golf, even taking breaks every couple of days, but you've been playing disc golf for months and months and maybe even years, it might be in your best interest to take a break. 
whether it's for a week or two weeks or a month or two, that is something that can really help you. And I know it can be hard, especially because we're getting into the heart of the season. Um, I know that can be hard. I'm not saying you have to do it right now, but just think about like, if you've been feeling really sluggish and really struggling and things just aren't clicking and you're starting to reach a point where you're like, man, is disc golf even fun anymore? If that's where you're getting, you need a break and not just a day. You need like a couple weeks to maybe even a few months, uh, depending on the severity of what you're feeling, which is basically burnout. Um, because otherwise you're gonna keep going and then you're never gonna wanna touch disc golf again and you may never come back because you have such a negative association with it. So giving yourself that break can be really helpful um, if you've been playing for a long, long time and kind of just doing that. Now, I recommend taking the break when basically the season ends. And I know disc golf technically never ends. I'm aware of that, but I like to treat like the end of the professional season as like, hey, we're venturing into the off season because coverage slows down. There's coverage of smaller tournaments, but the pros aren't doing a whole lot. They're resting. Um, so I treat the end of the season to the beginning of this season. And that time in between is the off season. And I just think it's so helpful to really minimize how much you're playing. It tends to be the winter time, which is a great time for most players to kind of chill out and not do much. Or, you know, they're only working on their putting or just doing some field work and not playing as much. I think that's that's a great option, a great time of year, really, to take that time off. And if you do that year after year, you're going to build that healthy habit of taking rest, treating your body well, and being able to play a whole lot longer. Now, Silas mentioned at the very end there that when he came back after taking a month or two off, he threw putters and mids. And I won't delve on this or dive into this and spend too much time on it. But I just want to make a quick note that when you take an extended break from disc golf, the last thing you want to do is come back and act like you never took a day off. You're going to feel soreness. You're going to um, be working some muscles again that hadn't been worked in a while. And so using slower discs, putter like putters and mids, is a great way to get back in the swing of things and not overexert your body and cause injury. Because if it's like you're used to throwing 12-speed drivers all the time and crushing those, good for you. But if you just took two or three months off, you maybe shouldn't jump into throwing 12 speeds right away. You may want to take a couple weeks with putters and mids, start building in some fairway drivers, and then go into distance drivers. And it's not because you're incapable. It's just a safety thing um, and making sure that you get warmed up. But especially if you took a break for form purposes, if you want to take a couple steps back and reassess your form, putters and mids are your best bet to do that. Um, yeah, that's just you know common disc golf knowledge at this point. Everybody talks about it, but that's the best way to go about doing that. Now let's go ahead and let's review our disc. I am so excited for this disc review. Thank you so much to OTB Discs for sponsoring the disc review here on this channel. It has been awesome working with them. If you want to try out the Lone Star Discs Walker, go ahead and head to otbdiscs.com and use discount code GLADIATORDG for free shipping. This disc is a lot of fun. But right off the bat, I'm going to say it's not for everyone. And there's a couple reasons for that. This disc is an overstable mid-range at five speed, three glide, zero turn, and four fade. This disc 
is more overstable than a mint bobcat and is probably comparable to a uh, deflect MVP deflector and almost as overstable as a Discmania mutant. I uh, I actually have a Discmania mutant. I found this disc used and it was dyed this way. Used white disc, dyed, no name or number. I found it at a store and I paid for it. I didn't find it on the course and keep it, all right? But it's so pretty, but this disc is more overstable. It has the same flight numbers, but it's more overstable than the Walker. So if you've thrown the Mutant before, um, you know how beefy this thing is. It's almost like five fade, not four fade. The Walker is not as overstable as the Mutant, but it's fairly close. It's one of the most overstable mids I've ever thrown. And I would say that right off the bat, it is accurate to the flight numbers. You do not have to worry about this thing turning and flipping on you. It is not going to do that. Uh, like I said, it's basically between a deflector and a mutant, more overstable than a bobcat. And so for those reasons, or for that comparison, I think it is a great utility mid-range for most players. Now, if you are a power player, you have a lot of power, you throw the disc really far, and not you think you throw the disc really far, but you actually throw the disc really, really far, this could be a great overstable mid-range for you. But for the vast majority of players, I would say that a premium plastic walker is going to serve as a utility mid-range. Um, but... I might take some of this back here because I just got some Delta walkers. Delta is the new uh, base plastic for mid-ranges in the Lone Star Disc lineup. And OTB just sent me some Delta walkers and I'm super excited to use them. I've only used them for, I think, one round. And I'll just say right off the bat, they are beefy. Like right out of the box, they almost feel more overstable than the premium ones. But I have heard that the Delta plastic beats in after a couple of rounds where you use the disc a lot and it so i'm anticipating these walkers to start leveling out a little bit and i'm really excited for that because i love layering my um, i love layering all the discs in my bag i rather have four or five molds and then just have them layered when you know with different stabilities so i'm really hoping that these walkers layer because um, if they don't layer, then I'm going to, you know, keep the Bobcats in the bag because they're awesome. But if they do layer uh, really nicely, it'll be really cool throwing um, the the walkers and having such a, a wide variety of shot shaping ability if those deltas beat in real nicely. I will say that this is 100% going to be testing a theory. I cannot guarantee that a beaten walker is going to be super straight, but we shall see what happens uh, after throwing it for not only a couple rounds, but a couple months, really testing it and committing to it. I will say the walker is very, very flat on top. And even though it's flat on top, it is both comfortable for forehand and backhand. You can throw it uh, with both styles and get a consistent flight. Even on the for even though a forehand tends to have a little bit more torque on the disc and things tend to turn over a little bit more, you do not have to worry about the walker turning over on you. And so that makes it a really great shot, a really consistent mold in your bag. Now, I've obviously emphasized just how overstable this disc is 
And so because of that, I'm going to say this one thing, and I've already mentioned it, but I want to reiterate it again. The walker is not for everyone. Now, if you are a beginner, you probably don't have a whole lot of overstable discs in your bag anyway. But as you develop your game, as you get better, it could be helpful for you before picking up a disc, you know, like like an Innova Eagle or Firebird or, you know, the new uh, Discraft Athena or an Onyx or something like that, uh, an MVP Volt or Terra, something that for a new golfer is going to be very overstable. It could be in your best interest to try an overstable mid first. Now, you might have an overstable mid, but I'm talking like if you want to see how having a meat hook in your bag helps you, it might be helpful to work with a walker first. And there's a couple reasons I recommend this. One, if you are a beginner, a five-speed disc is going to be easier for you to learn, control, and master Um, off the bat because the speed is not too much for you you're also going to learn how to manipulate certain shots and make the disc do things for you because of its overstability that you couldn't have done with other discs and so having those options with a slower disc is a great way to really develop your game once you kind of have laid the foundation of form and consistency And then as you continue to develop from there, you may say, I love having an overstable mid like this. Let me try an overstable driver. And now you're going to get even more variation. And so you'll start to find opportunities to throw both. Obviously with a faster disc, you should be able to get more distance. You're going to have um, some really cool flex shots that tend to just glide and carry a little bit more than a mid-range would. Whereas like a mid-range can really start to slow down a little bit sooner because it has a more blunt nose. And so if you throw it with too much Anheuser, it may not come all the way back. Whereas something like a Firebird or a Loft Disc Xenon, because it's a nine speed, um, it's going to pan, you know, it will turn on the turnover, but it's going to come back and it will probably even come back across a straight line. So, you know, you'll get that next flex, you'll get that nice flex line that you're looking for. So using that overstable mid, especially if you're brand new and you've developed your game and you're wanting to try some new discs out, it can really become a good utility disc in the bag. So that is basically Uh, the Lone Star Disc Walker. Uh, Really cool disc. I like it a lot. I've been using it more recently. I'm testing it out to see if it can layer as my overstable mid and cover my um, neutral to overstable slots. And we'll just see how beat in it can get. Uh, I have a pink bobcat that you guys have seen me throw a lot. And that thing is warped and beat to crap. (laughs) I mean, that thing flies straight and turns uh for a bobcat that's really impressive and so we'll see that took me a while that took me like i'm at this point i've been throwing it for two two and a half years so i don't know uh what's going to happen over the next couple of months with the walkers but we'll see i'm excited to see if they start to beat in and this may be an experiment that i give up on if after a couple months i'm not seeing any changes in flight characteristics but Go ahead and check out a walker if you want that nice overstable mid. You can check them out at otbdiscs.com. Now let's go ahead and let's quickly review the Music City Open. Now I say it like that because um, I got to be honest with you. 
I did not watch a lot of the Music City Open. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, my family was in town. And so I didn't not not only did I not get to play a lot of disc golf, I didn't get to watch a lot of disc golf. And so there's not a whole lot that I'm going to share about this. I did watch the final day MPO. Um, but I watched it the day I'm recording this on a Tuesday. <laughs> so I didn't even watch it live. I watched the live coverage because I heard what happened and I wanted to kind of see the build up to it. And it was incredible. Um, but that's really all I watched. I got to watch the front nine, the final front nine for FPO coverage on Jomez. But it was just one of those weeks where it was really busy. I didn't have a chance, but I'd love to follow up. Um, on tournaments like this, I am, uh, you know, I've followed sports all my life and having scorecards and everything and being able to see scoreboard scores. And like, I did not feel like it was a spoiler alert for me. I don't, I feel like at this point, disc golf is past um, spoiler alert kind of stuff. Nobody says, oh, don't tell me the score, you know, of NBA finals because I don't want spoilers. It's like, no. It happened. There's shows that talk about it the following morning. You know, that kind of, no one says, don't spoil the Super Bowl for me. And <laughs> so it's one of those things where I uh, I think that disc golf has surpassed this whole kind of like spoiler alert because you have live disc golf. You have so many companies doing post-produce. Everybody is on social media. Now you can do it yourself and just not participate in those things. But I, I don't think it's fair to hold the disc golf community to this, you know, spoiler concept any longer. When it was only Jomez and only CCDG and Gatekeeper, like that was one thing. But at this point, it's not. So I'm done with that rant. That was unplanned. But so I know who won. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. Like I said, I only watched uh, the main disc golf I watched from MCO was actually final round MPO coverage. And I just wanted to share some thoughts based on that and based on what I was able to see on social media following day one and day two. So first off, congratulations to Simon Lazat. Great job. He played super, super well. Uh, that final round was awesome. He shot minus 11 on the final day. But here's the crazy thing. Chris Dickerson was three strokes in the lead going into the final day. And I think he lost by three or four strokes. So if Chris Dickerson had just even maintained what he had done the previous two days, or even like half of what he had, because I think he went into, yeah, he went into the final round at uh, I think 16 under. So he went eight and eight, so to speak. Uh, it may have been a little differently. But if even if he had just shot you know, a four or five um, under round, he would have been a little bit closer to the lead. Now, he shot, I think, two or three under, um, maybe four under. And so he really needed another eight under round to compete with Simon's 11 under because Simon finished at minus 23, I believe. And so he needed another eight under round to get to minus 24, which would have given him the victory. But he didn't. And this is something that if you've been following disc golf for a while, you've seen Chris Dickerson. It's funny. He and Paul McBeth are almost like the opposite in a sense. Like Paul can struggle the first couple of rounds, so to speak, struggle in his own way, but can just turn it on for the final round. 
And Chris has done that in the past. Like he is not someone that, oh, he's going to choke every time or, oh, because he's not winning, he's not going to win. Like, no, Chris Dickerson has a has a has uh, an excellent reputation for being a great player and a great closer and has won a lot of tournaments. But like uh, Brian Earhart said on final day coverage, it's been almost a year. And it's a, at this point, I think a year since he last won an event. And so it's been a while, which that is pretty long for someone like Chris Dickerson. And so... Um, we see, we have seen him do this before, play great rounds one and two and three on four day, uh, four, four round events, but it's that final round where he, he has done this so many times and basically just choked, basically did not close out and having a three stroke lead, you know, yes, Simon probably could have still shot minus 11, But when you are seeing that not only have you caught up to the leaders, but you're starting to be the leader, you are the the leader of the event, that gives you some motivation. But if you see someone like Chris Dickerson who started the day in the lead several strokes ahead of everyone else and then maintains that and just makes it harder and harder, not that it um, should keep you from playing bad, but it's a lot harder to stay motivated to win when the leader just keeps performing. So you can lose focus or you're not as motivated. You're more looking at, okay, positions two through five. How can I get in there, get on the podium? And, you know, Simon is so, uh, he is such, such a veteran at this point that that may not have phased him, but we don't know because Chris Dickerson did not, uh, perform very well in that final round. And this is coming from someone who loves Chris Dickerson. He's one of my favorite players. I, I I follow him a lot. I like his game. I think it's awesome. I've learned a lot watching him play, but it's just unfortunate to see him not win this event when he had the lead. Uh, I already mentioned this earlier, but I'll just reiterate it again. Anthony Barella is going to win an event this year. He's just playing so good right now. I think things just need to click for him. He almost had the eagle on hole 18 to push a playoff with Simon. It was the perfect flex line. It it was just an incredible drive off the tee followed by a great flex shot kneeling forehand around a tree that would just maybe a little bit more power would have hit the heart of the chains. It just faded out a little early. So I am very excited to see him continue competing this season. And then someone that I haven't talked a whole lot about on this show yet, uh, not just this episode, but all of the episodes, Ezra Aderhold. I have followed Ezra for the last couple of years and just watched him go from basically this disc golf YouTube sensation who could throw really far to being an elite disc golfer. And this season, he's really stood out to me. Now, I haven't cross-checked this with previous seasons and how he has started those, but I feel like Ezra has been in the hunt every single tournament this year and that's been really really cool because i love to see that i love to see new names up there and not that he's a new name but we haven't seen him win a lot or be on lead cards and he is competing in a lot of these tournaments now he did kind of struggle in the back nine and near the end of his tournament that he kind of you know fell off uh the pace a little bit but it's easy to fall off the pace when you're playing catch up and then you have someone like Simon shooting 11 under but that being said I am excited I hope Ezra can win an event this year as well that'd be really cool to see him and AB win something that would just be awesome I'm really happy about uh, his performance this year 
Okay, so we have basically gone over. I don't have a whole lot to talk about with FPO because I only watched one uh, front nine and it was the final round. I don't have a whole lot to say about that. Um, I am obviously going to try <laughs> and watch more disc golf the next time we have a major event like this, but I just wasn't able to. So we'll go ahead and we will get to the results. We'll start with MPO. In first place, we had Simon at minus 23. We had Anthony Barella in second at minus 22. Tied for third, Calvin Heinberg and Gannon Burr at minus 21. Oh, and Chris Dickerson at minus 21. So like, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like, Chris Dickerson, he shot a 60 uh, the third round, which was his lowest round of the day. If he had shot even three strokes better, obviously mathematically he would have won. But he had so many pars. It's not like he was birdie fest and then a bogey, double bogey, birdie fest, triple bogey. It was so many pars, and so there was just a little bit of a lack of execution on some drives and putts that kept him from winning. I'm sure this will eat at him and hopefully make him better. In sixth place, we had James Proctor at minus 20. He's been on coverage a lot. He's been doing really, really well. I'm excited to see him continue to compete this year. Seventh place, Austin Turner at minus 19. This is not the first time we've seen him. And then Ricky Wysocki wasn't expecting to play. I wasn't expecting him to play. But he goes and finishes eighth at minus 18. And then we have Joel Freeman and Isaac Robinson at minus 17, tied for ninth place. And so that is uh, really cool how we basically have the top 10 within, let's see, uh, within six strokes of each other. Um, tight field, they're playing really well, the MPO division, so that's exciting to see. Now, FPO was a little bit more of a challenge, especially the first two days with some crazy weather. Uh, I did not play, go out and play those days, obviously. Yes, my family was in town, but the weather was not great. It was rainy most days, as you guys saw on that coverage, but she was still able to to do this. Kristen Tatar, first place with minus seven. Jennifer Allen, a veteran on tour. So good to see her competing. Tied with Macy Veladiaz at minus two. Then we have Rebecca Cox, who I think shot a seven under, um, a seven or eight under final round to finish plus one. Holland Hanley in fifth at plus two. Evelina Solonen at plus three. Uh, in sixth place, and in seventh place, Missy Gannon plus four, eighth place, Heidi Lane plus five, and Sarah Gilpin at plus five, and then tenth place, Allie Smith at plus six. So we had a 13-stroke spread, but it seems, and we had most most players were there. Um, I think it was just a very challenging uh, course for the FPO division, especially given um, some of the environmental factors. One side note, I see, I haven't seen a whole lot, Paige Pierce finished tied for 27th with plus 15. Um, so, you know, yes, I apologize a couple episodes for basically calling her out, but at the same time, there is some validity to this. Um, she just won an event a few events ago. I'm drawing a blank right now because I wasn't planning on talking about this, but we see her kind of dropping again, so... Um, I hope she can figure it out and be a little bit more consistent because it's always great to see her on coverage and compete well. 
But you know, everybody, that is basically it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I had a lot of fun talking through it, sharing some tips with you. I'm really just, um, you know, talking disc golf. I love talking disc golf. I could talk about it all day. And so I hope you enjoyed this episode. And so we'll go ahead and we'll sign off here. Remember, this upcoming week, go ahead and teach someone how to play, whether it's online with coaching or just teaching someone who's never played before, getting them out to a field or a disc golf course and watching them throw the disc and seeing their their faces light up when something cool happens. So go ahead and teach someone. Go ahead and play some disc golf yourself. Uh, get out there, enjoy it, and just remember that it is just a game and we all are here to have fun. We all want to improve. But over and above all, we love this sport because we love the game itself. And so go ahead and play some disc golf. And until next time, everyone, have a great round. Mm-hmm.